0: Where do you find your confidence? In this series, we will explore how we can have a confident faith to face our internal struggles and the craziness going on around us. Good morning. Good to see everyone here today. I love the church. I love this church. I love coming to work. And uh, this is just a great place to be. Uh, If you're a guest with us here today, we sure are glad that you came. And we are in a series called Confidence. Uh, You might have received a bulletin guide when you walked in, and there's a small group study and some fill-in-the-blank things. Uh, That small group study uh, was meaningful to me as I created it this week, and I just, uh, if you're in a small group, great. We hope you are in a group, but if you're not in a group because of life circumstances that's not possible right now, I encourage you to take that small group guide, print it on the front of that bulletin, and use that this week to work through what I think is a very important topic, and that's being confident in your faith in God. We live in turbulent times. I mean, there's a lot of chaos. I mean, we, 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 we talked last week about, you know, uh, mass shootings, and, and then there's the fires, and then there's, you know, uh, the, the floods that we went through. And, and so there's a lot of turbulence. Uh, we live in this postmodern world where things that we once thought were like everyone accepted as true are now all being questioned. And so... Uh, There's many challenges to our faith, and so what we have to do is learn how to be confident, and today we're talking about perseverance in that confident faith. Now, um, one definition of perseverance is uh, a a, a steady course, a persistent course in a direction in spite of difficulties. So that's one definition, but here's another definition. Uh, Maybe you saw this go viral last week, but it's a little cub and he's climbing up the, uh, this mountain face, snow mountain face, to reach his mom at the top. And uh, some say the drone that captured this footage uh, scared him, you know, and, and, and that was part of the problem. But it makes for a great fi- fi- film, right? So anyway, uh, maybe this is how you feel this week, like, right? Like, you're trying to climb out of financial debt. And, like, you know, you're paying off that bill, and you're paying off this bill, and you're trying to be faithful, you know, and you're tithing or whatever. And, and, and like, you're, you're, you're reaching the top. You can almost see daylight of being, like, debt-free and, and, and like, getting it all put together. And, and, like, you're almost there. And, oh, no, transmission went out of the minivan. Oh, no, I just got that debt from the, you know, the ER or whatever. I mean, like, it's all, like, we just keep sliding. Say it with me. Oh, no, he's sliding down. Oh, he's in the rocks, but he grabs a hole. He doesn't give up. He's persistent, right? He's going to persevere. He's going to get back up there. And, and so really, this, this is a, a, a visual uh, uh, definition of what we're talking about today, perseverance. Like this little guy, he just gets back up and he keeps climbing. And this is a lot like what our faith looks like. How many have seen this video before today? Right, a okay. coat, one, two, three. Yeah, all right. It, went, it was pretty popular last week. And I've watched it over and over again. I love this little cubby, you know, a little, little cute cubby. And he's climbing and he, and he finally, you know, he's going to reach the top and get back up there with his mom. And, and he perseveres. That's how, he, that's how this happens. Like he doesn't give up. And his mom's waiting, up, waiting for him up there. She's not going to give up on him. And little cubby, like when he gets to the top, we'll all, we'll all give him a round of applause. Okay, let's right, here we go. Yeah, all right. Woo! Persevere. Uh, <laughs> Perseverance is essential. It's essential when it comes to finances, it's essential when it comes to faith. It's essential when it comes to family. It's essential when it comes to marriage. All right, so uh, retired minister Bob Russell preached at one of the largest churches in the United States, Southeast Christian Church, membership, 26,000 people, something like that. And he did hundreds of marriages over his ministerial career. And um, he said, if, if I had to give one characteristic that made certain made, made marriages succeed, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pick that they had similar backgrounds. Uh, he said, I, I wouldn't choose that they uh, came from good families, he said, I wouldn't even choose that they had Christian faith together like they were aligned on their spiritual journey. He said the number one characteristic that, say, that, that makes a marriage work is, is perseverance. It's perseverance. It's not giving up when difficulties come because difficulties are going to come to all marriages, all people, right? I mean, difficulties will come. And so uh, perseverance through adversity. Uh, back in the late 90s, this guy named Paul Stoltz, He wrote a book uh, called uh, Adversity Quotient, and so uh, some of you may have studied this if you've been in business or maybe even in college, but uh, he calls it the AQ. So Adversity Quotient, it is uh, turning obstacles into opportunities, and the thrust of the book is this, that how we respond to adversity is the biggest predictor to success. Now, I know this is, you know, in the business world and all that, but there's a lot of truth to that when it comes to our spiritual journey, is it not? And and so he says in the book, there's not much we can do to raise our IQ, our intelligence quotient, right? We can't do much to elevate that, but we can do quite a bit to elevate our AQ, our adversity quotient. And so uh, this sermon today, I hope, raises your AQ, right? Because the Word of God has a lot to say about perseverance through difficult times. And so... um, It's important that we teach our children and those around us how to handle adversity, how to handle difficult times, how to persevere and not give up. Cornerstone is a family, as you witnessed today, a family with a family. And so we partner together. We are a family coaching other couples in marriage, coaching parents in parenting, mentoring Children, especially children who don't have stable homes, they come from broken homes. We are, as a family, comforting other families, going through difficult times, walking with people through addictions, right? And when here's what I'm trying to say. When we come together, our AQ skyrockets. Because as a community, we can bond together and strengthen one another and coach one another and mentor one another to work through difficult times. That's why we're part of this family. And so if you look at us individually any day of the week, you may not see all of Jesus. But when you come into this room and when you come into this place and when we are all gathered together, you will see Jesus collectively in us. I mean, put us all together and you'll see an aspect of Jesus that's revealed uh, through this group. Now, it, last week we were in 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter three. This week we're going to be in 2 Corinthians, chapter four. If you'd like to watch this sermon, you go to the website. You can pick a CD copy up uh, on your way out to the left. Uh, but in chapter four, Paul will talk about his his struggles. He will talk about persevering through difficult times. He's a bit transparent, and he gives us some real important. Uh, things to focus in on, on, on persevering in our faith. Here's what he says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Paul begins this section with talking about all-surpassing power. So all-surpassing means more than needed, an excess of, that nobody in Christ who has the Spirit of God living in them is lacking in what they need to get through whatever trial they face. And then he uses the word power with dynamos, or, or where we get our word dynamite. So we, we have this exploding power, right, of God living in us in jars of clay. Now, in ancient times, just like in modern times, we take precious things, right, and we put them in like fancy boxes. So, like an engagement ring is in a little velvet box, you know. Ta-da. And will you marry me? And so we get that. But what Paul does is, is there's this, there's this like odd thing. He says this, this glory of God is contained in these earthen vessels. So if you've read the Bible, you know that God is the potter and we're the clay, and He's molding and making us and transforming us, right? And and we know sometimes when we look in the mirror, we, we mirror, we feel like a, you know, like a, like an old clay pot at times, right? <laughs> we're drying out, drying up, right? Whatever, but. Uh, but this is where God puts His glory. And so uh, the, the visual of this is, is like they would take uh, clay and poke holes in it and put a candle in it, and that would be uh, a, a candle holder. And, and, and so, so light would admit from it. And, and, and so you and I, we are jars of clay with the glory of God in us, and, and the glory's admitting from us. It's spreading out. It's like, especially when... We're persecuted, especially when we're, we're going through difficult times in a trial. Like, the more we're crushed, the more God's glory is emitting from us. And it's a testimony to those around us. I've seen this, haven't you? Haven't you seen this in other people? People who are going through really difficult times, and like, the grace of God is all over them. And you're like, you even say things like, I can see God is your strength, and, and things like that. They're... There was this uh, event in my life, uh, it was a very significant moment in student ministry when a very dear uh, student uh, in our ministry, Janae, died in a horrific car accident, her and three of her friends. And I remember going to the funeral uh, very vividly, walking in, because uh, Janae's funeral uh, parlor was in, this is in Roanoke, uh, it was in one section, and then one of, the, one of the students that died in that car accident was not a Christian. His family weren't Christians, and they were side by side. These two rooms were side by side. The traffic was backed out all the way on 24. I mean, you, it was hours to try to get in there because, you know, when a, when a student di- and from a high school dies, like, it's just like, sh- everybody comes out, and they want to pay their respects and encourage the family. Anyway, I go to the, to the non-Christian family first, and I walk into that room, and like, it was dark there was a sense of hopelessness and anguish as to be expected. And, and, and then when I went to the, to the room beside to talk to Janae's family, uh, there was a sense of hope. Even though they were crushed, they knew that this isn't all there is. Do you believe this is all there is? I hope not. I mean, this is not all there is. They knew that this was not the final chapter in Janae's life or their life as a family. That there were other chapters that were going to be written. And though it was dark, they were crushed, they were persecuted, they were going through a trial, God's glory was admitting from them around them. And you could sense it, man. I mean, it was there. And so this is what Paul is talking about. And in this next verse, Paul's going to give these all mays. So say it with me in Greek all may. One more time, all may. Now go home and wow your neighbors because what you said is just but not, right? But not, all right? So wow, all may, but not. All right. Anyway, here's what he says. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Isn't that great? I mean, when we use all may or but in our uh stories when we talk when we talk when you use this word it's usually the negative like it goes something like this man the music at church today was great but that preacher right he went on and on and on and like it was hot and you know whatever you know I went to the restaurant and the food was good but the service was terrible I mean, that's how we use that word. But in God's story, it's just the opposite. It's not a negative, it's a positive. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And so God brings the positive through Paul for us to see. Look, by God's power in us, by God's power in us, we get up when we're knocked down. It's true of Paul's life. So if you've never studied the Apostle Paul, here's some things that happened to him. Paul was stoned to death outside the city of Lystra, But God resurrected him, and he walked to Derby, and he made new disciples and planted another church. He was thrown into jail at Philippi, and he converts the jailer and his family to Jesus. Paul was shipwrecked on the island of Malta, and he wins the governor of that island to Jesus and makes a huge difference. Paul is thrown into jail in Rome, and he writes most of the New Testament. He was knocked down, but he got back up by God's power living in him. I mean, his story is one of over and over again of God elevating someone who looks crushed, but but he's lifted up and the glory of God emanates from him. We just finished up a small group of Dave Ramsey. And so if you're not familiar with that name, Dave Ramsey's financial uh, advisor. He's a Christian and Dave Ramsey uh, helps people get their finances in order. Do you know Dave Ramsey went bankrupt three times? At the age of 30, he was penniless. But he took God's principles and applied it to his life, and he lived by them, and now he helps people all over the world get out of financial troubles. Joni Erikeson Tata, one of my heroes in life. Joni Erikeson Tata was a, was a very athletic swimmer, and uh, at the age of 17, she dove into a body of water and broke her neck. And she's a paraplegic to this day. And she encourages people all over the world to not give up when they're going through suffering. You would have not known her. None of us would have known Joni Erica, Tada had it not been for her spinal neck being crushed and God raising her up by His power. I mean, we got good good news. Proverbs 24:16 says this, The godly may trip seven times, but they will get back up again. You and I will get back up again. Uh, yeah, I'm telling you, man. And the greatest symbol of this is the cross. I mean, you got it around. I was watching people walking. I've been looking for today how many people are wearing crosses. It is the ultimate symbol of someone being crushed, someone being put in the earth, and then walking back out again. I mean, that's good news. I mean, we can go home now, but we're not because, you know, but the preacher, right? Anyway, it's the greatest symbol, right? And so listen to this next verse. Paul says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in us, in our body. For, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Now, it's a little a morbid phrase, like we're carrying around the body of death of Jesus in us. But what, is, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Jesus is the is the quintessential example of a man dying to self so others might live. Jesus is the example of someone who is dying to self so that others may live. And that's what we're doing. We're dying to self so that others may live. And our suffering, some of you are going through some really difficult times Your suffering is a platform for God's power to lift you up and point other people to Jesus. And so it it displays that that nothing can permanently break us. Nothing can permanently overwhelm us. God's restoring uh, restoring us and it testifies to others that close by especially that He is who He said He is. The creator and maker of the universe and the sustainer of all life. And so our perseverance testifies... It's a message like you may never preach a sermon, but buddy, if you live through suffering and you stay faithful, others will know that Jesus is alive. So we're going to watch a video about part of our family. You have some family in Pakistan. I do too. And we're going to hear a little bit about what they're going through.
1: हालेलुया हालेलुया कद्दूस 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 रब पाल जमीन आसमान के खालक मालिक तेरा शुक्र दा करते मौका के लिए जितने मन से में बख्श दिया तेरा शुक्र दा करते Today in Pakistan, we Christians are second-class citizens. Though we have committed no crime, we are ostracized and banished to the lowest place in society. Often we are forced to leave our villages and our own homes. We cannot get good jobs. And we have no voice in government. left for us is servitude. Sewage work. And we know we will never advance. We have a church, a place where Christians come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to sing His praise, to study His word. For while our country has turned its back on us, God has not. Sometimes, it is not easy. The loss, the injustice. So please, remember to pray for us. That we will continue to live together in fellowship. That we will continue to see the joy of the Lord in our lives that we will persevere in our faith no matter the cost and please remember we are praying for you
0: I tell you what man I love God's people and they are testifying to a Muslim world, about God's power. They cannot be overwhelmed. They cannot be crushed. They cannot be persecuted beyond God's ability to raise them back up. Uh, at ICOM International Conference of Mission several years ago, one of our missionaries that we support, Frank Reynolds, who's in, uh, who goes to Rwanda, and, and Scott and Frank are going there in January. He says, I want you to come meet Sam Gill. Sam Gill uh, is a pakistanian uh he married a, a girl here in the states when he was at bible college and they are serving jesus to the to, to the to the muslim world in pakistan and uh and i just you know just talking to him i was so encouraged and he sent me an email uh last week and he says please pray for us we're going through some really difficult times different times we will be having church and uh and, and extremists will try to br- bust in the windows and break in and stop everything and they just, they just keep them out. Can you imagine? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, we're ready. I know you're ready. I'm like, sweet. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> well, I'll keep preaching. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm sure if I drop, Ethan will stand up and, and you'll, you'll carry right on. All right, I got a I witness in the front row right here. So, so anyway, what I'm saying is that Paul, Paul goes on and says, it is, it is written. I got I to gotta press on. I, I believe, therefore, I have spoken. That's a a quotation from the Psalms. He's quoting the Psalms that there's truth that was been given to him, and this is what he believes. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe, therefore, speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and be present uh, and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace of, that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Live out what you believe. This is what Paul is talking about. There is this truth that we've received. There's a truth that we believe. He has told them, he has told the Corinthians in the first letter, you have got out of line, you've left the reservation. You, you, guys, you guys need to repent of your sin and come back. And in the second letter, he's encouraging them and reminding them of the things that he once taught them. And so he wants them to know, as I want you to know, your sufferings do not define you. Your failures do not define you. What other people say about you does not define you. What God says about you defines who we are. That's our identity is found in what the living God says about those whom he's created and redeemed. Uh, It's difficult. And, and, and so like there are these moments where, where we just got to, we have to go back and think about, okay, what do I believe? And this is what I'm going to do. Uh, Paul told Timothy this, his dying words, like, you know, his last breath words. Paul says this to his dear young uh, friend that he's mentoring, Timothy, he says, and God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle and a teacher of this good news. That is why I'm suffering in, in prison. Uh, but I'm not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Paul's confident that when, when he's gone, God's going to continue to strengthen and raise up other people to carry on this mission of Christ. And even though it looks like, uh, th- like, like from the world's view, he's a loser, he's not. I, I mean, you, you, you may feel like Paul sometimes, that you're at the end of your rope, but you are not at the end of your hope. It may feel that way. Like, I don't know if I can hang on. I know you have felt like this, because I have too. And God's like, but I'm in your life. And so the school teacher may say, my patience is gone, and I'm weary. But I believe God has called me to teach. A wife might think, I'm feeling neglected And it's time for me to live my own life. But in saner moments, she says, I will respect and honor my husband. A small business owner sees his competitors cheating their customers. And he's tempted to do the same. But he lives by a different set of standards. He's a godly man running a godly business. And he's going to do what's right, even when others don't. A woman, she works at a place where her fellow employees are stealing from the company. And she begins to rationalize that own thought in her own head. But she's reminded of God's word. Thou shalt not steal. Live out what you believe. I mean, stand on that. I mean, it's so important. A young couple, they're, they're, they've been dating a while and they're tempted to begin their sexual relationship like so many of their friends. But they've been raised in Christ. And they know that God created the sexual experience for couples who were married. It's a gift from God to them. And so they choose not to do that. I mean, live out what you believe, even when the world is not. Persevere. And so let us be found faithful. We live in a postmodern world, do we not? Where truth is relative. And everything's up for questioning, right? Uh, but that's not how we live in other parts of our life. We just apply that often to things that we want, especially when it comes to faith. So here's how a lot of people view faith. They, they have feelings about something, feelings about themselves, God, or no God, or whatever. And, and, and in some, some process, they develop some, some body of faith that they, 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 they arrive at, and then they'll, they'll find some facts to support it. I mean, this is the postmodern world where, where feelings trump fact right? This is what we're living in. And so here's what it sounds like. Be true to yourself. If it feels good, say it with me. Do it, right? And so this is, this is when feelings trump facts, right? And so God's Word lays out truth, and this is what we live by. There is a truth from a truth giver. He's eternal, and His truth is unchanging, and so it's really important. So we're going to put the big red X on that. Right? That is not the way we process things. That's not how we approach God. Here's how we're to approach God. There are facts which lead to faith and results in feelings. There is no archaeological dig that has ever controverted one biblical fact or story. In other words, there's nobody's dug in the ground and not found what the Bible said was there. They once thought there weren't any Philistines. They once thought there was never a city of Nineveh. Guess what they found? They found evidence of all of that. Uh, Scientists are moving closer and closer by the majority to believe in intelligent design because as we discover more about our universe and more about the human body, here's what we know. There must be a designer of greater power than the human to create all this. You see what I'm saying? And you know... You know when you violate God's law in your own life, what it does to us. We feel horrible. We, we're like, this isn't working. You know, this is not. We know from personal experience that when we, when, we, when we walk off and try to do our own thing, it doesn't work. So there are facts that we believe in, which results in a faith, a trust in a God above. And that leads to feelings of belonging and confidence and peace. And knowing that that we are on the right path. Abraham. Father Abraham in the Old Testament. God said I want you to take your son up on Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. And Abraham's like. I don't feel like doing that. But his faith. Was based on the facts. Of God's evidence into his life. And so no matter how he felt. He went on and did what God told him to do. Aren't you glad. That you're feelings do not uh, 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 confirm your salvation like have you not like me had days where you woke up and you didn't feel saved and then you got in that argument and you said things and you're like i'm a monster i can't believe i just said that see our faith is not based on our feelings it's based on the fact of the resurrection and we put our trust in that fact that's how we live listen Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away and inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And then he goes on to say, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I just told my wife yesterday, I said, this is the year I feel like I'm getting older Because I'm 56. So I got up and I did some work yesterday. And I got home and I felt miserable. And I'm like, I'm getting older. I'm wasting away. And some of you are wasting away, right? And so we get that, right? This is not all there is. If this is all there is, we lose. But this isn't all there is. And so we're waiting on God to redeem and restore and renew everything that's been broken by sin. And so Paul says... Don't keep your eye on what you see. Keep your eye on the goal, which is Jesus. Look at him, watch him, read him, talk about him, worship him. Keep your eye on the goal. Because as we, when we do that, it, it's like if you've ever ridden a motorcycle, they teach you in motorcycle training, they say, you don't look right in front of you. You look down the road. You're looking at the next curve. You're always looking ahead, right? Because you look down in front of you and, you know. Anyway, it's a terrible event. But uh, what I'm saying is like we have to keep our eye on the goal, which is Jesus, because he's leading us. He's our commander in chief. And so keep your eye on the goal. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I, I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for for all. I looked up the word all and you know what it means? Oh, yeah, that's us who eagerly look forward to his appearing. We, aren't you looking? I am looking forward to the day that Jesus comes back. And in the meantime, we're going to empty hell and fill heaven. How about that? Let's do that, all right? You join with me? Let's do that. Let's empty hell and fill heaven. Let's, let's work on that because that is significant. You have to keep your eye on the goal. College basketball is about to get here, and I'm a Duke fan. I like all... ACC. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm almost saved, y'all. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, uh, when the when the when the, the the opposing team is getting ready to make a free throw, you know all the shenanigans that happen behind the backboard, right? All the craziness that happens. If that guy does not keep his eye on the goal, he will miss that shot, and sometimes they do, and it's just so crazy they still miss. But but anyway, we have to keep our eye on the goal, so that there's things that get you to. Get you discouraged. there are car troubles, there's, there's family troubles, there's health troubles, there's, there's political troubles, there's cultural troubles. There's all that, don't take your eye off the goal. Keep your eye on Jesus, and He will carry us home. Perseverance requires God's power, God's power, and our determination to trust and obey. You've got to trust and obey. Like, God will do the heavy lifting. You just stay focused on him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to uh, look at... I love this passage. I love Paul. I cannot wait to meet this guy. Uh, It's going to be amazing uh, to just hear the stories of the faithful. And so, Father, I just pray right now that you would encourage every broken heart, every discouraged person, that you would just strengthen us by your spirit and that we could surround one another in a holy huddle, and help, help push forward uh, in this path, that we wouldn't give up, that we would persevere, and that we would have a confidence that you will do what you say you're going to do. And so, Father, we may look crushed, but we are not left in despair. Praise be to God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on the web at cornerstonechatham.org.